So the last couple of weeks we have been examining church government. Um, We've been looking particularly at a couple of different roles that we see um, addressed in Scripture. And we've been looking um, for the last couple of weeks at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, We're going to be concluding this chapter today. And looking at a couple of other places, um, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to look in Titus chapter, uh, chapter 1. So we've been looking at these qualifications. The idea that I've kind of been putting forward over the last couple of weeks is that if you want to answer the question, what are you here for, or what are these roles here for, Um, part of what we must do is examine the type of individuals that are called into these roles. So we've been looking, looking at the qualifications of an elder to kind of get an idea of the function of an elder. And hopefully, um, that's been becoming more clear over the last couple of weeks. And today, um, hopefully we can do even a better job to bring clarity in, in that regard. Uh, So I'm going to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 3 just to kind of get us back in the context of it. We're not going to um, retrace those grounds if you weren't here for those classes. Um, I did record them, so just get with me after class if you're interested in listening to those, and I can point you in the right direction of of where you can go and find those recordings. Um, So with that being said, um, we're going to read probably down through up until verse 6 and then... um, Start paying particular attention to verse 6 and verse 7 there. So, chapter 3, 1 Timothy, verse 1. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, again, just to kind of remind you if, if you've forgotten, um, the word overseer here, also we, we will see this same individual spoken of as elder, pastor, bishop, in different places within the text. So this is the same, this is the same role. Um, when we look at a different passage today, um, just keep that in mind. Um, overseer, you can call them elders, you can call them pastor, you can call them bishop. Um, those, are, those are used pretty inter- interchangeably to speak about the same, the same responsibility. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respected, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So verse 4 and 5 last week, we um, spent some time digging into this. Um, we're going to see this idea thread through some of the other passages that we look at uh, here today. So I want to bring it up again, um, particularly this word submissive in regards to children and just submission generally within the church. And this idea can oftentimes um, hit us in a way that uh, we feel uncomfortable or we may feel slightly rebellious against. Uh, this idea of submission here. And one of the things that I want to continue to point out is um, this is not a submission by heavy-handedness, okay? This is not like beat you into submission. 
Um, This is the type of submission that comes when an individual has these qualities in their life and aspires to be someone that others would look to follow. That's the type of submission that we're looking at here. This is not like some type of like submission by like leveraging power and strength. This is living by example and that example being one that inspires children to follow in their footsteps. So um, don't be uncomfortable with this term um, submission just in general when you see it through scripture um, you're likely not looking at a text that's that's telling whoever's to be submissive to like be cowardly or not speak up or um, like be timid like these are not words that should be associated with this this word submission so um, as we submit what it's what it's saying is that we're saying that God is wise in the ordering of things. Um, God is wise in the ordering of families. God is wise in in the ordering of churches and the way that churches ought to operate. And I submit ultimately to his wisdom. And if if his wisdom is if he is all knowing, all loving, all good, like if he is all wise, then though I might see situations where it's hard for me to submit in that particular situation, um, I believe that God is wise ultimately in his commands and therefore I submit to him and I will submit to whoever he places me under. Um, and this is the same kind of thing. We, we should be teaching our children this type of submission, right? Not submission by heavy handedness, um, but submission by, I see my parents walking in a way that aligns with the things that they claim and I'm going to follow in their footsteps in doing so. Um, and, and particularly when this is being used kind of in these qualification, uh, the qualification for overseer, for, for elder uh, here, one of the things that I want us to get from this is that when we consider why it is that God is laying out these type of requirements for someone who would fall into a position of an elder, um, I would go back to this, is that my family knows me better than you. So if you can't, and this is not a universal thing, because people are people and people go their, their own ways, but this is a broad truth that can generally be seen is that if I live the life that you think that I live when I stand here in front of my children, generally, you will see a pattern from that, right? We can talk about exceptions because there are great men and women whose children go astray. You know some of them, probably, right? But in general... When you're looking for someone leading a church, someone that you would submit yourselves to, if their children are willing to do so and respect them uh, in that, then uh, that would be an that would be a uh, a positive mark, a positive attribute for that individual that would show that if they can lead their family well, they can likely take that when it comes to the family of God and lead well in in that area also. Um, 
So if someone does not know how to manage his household, how will he care for God's church? And again, pay attention to the wording here. Um, so we see submission and then we see care down in verse 5. So this, this idea of submission linked in with you can see the way that that man cares for his family. Because that, those two things are, are linked there. So the question that gets posed, and this is why I think it's a, an important thing, if somebody doesn't know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? Will he not have his hands full already with other things if he can't even manage the family that God has blessed him with? Okay, verse 6. He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. So um, we're kind of in the last two big, big qualifications here. One of these is this person doesn't need to be recently converted to Christ. I think we all know um, the fervor that comes with being a convert. Right? Like you if you are a believer, you've all been there. Those moments in those days and weeks and perhaps years that follow after conversion, where it's like you met the God of all creation. Of course you will be excited about that. Of course, in that there will come all types of like desires to be used in some way. Right? This should be expected. Let us not throw those individuals into the fire that they might be puffed up by it or burnt up by it. There's a wisdom here. That that person that was converted, every elder was a new convert at some point. Truth? Everyone that makes it there was in that like early stage of like, I just met the king of the universe and he called me to him. And now how can I be used? And they're learning, right? So we all we all start there. We ought to be careful because the one that's called into this type of role, the importance and significance of it is we want one that will last in that, right? Because we all also know, perhaps we find ourselves there where we were super excited at first, and now we find it hard to get up on Sunday mornings, right? What, what we are looking for when it comes to these qualifications um, is we want to be able to see that pattern play out over time, and then that proves itself. Right? This doesn't mean that a, someone who is a recent convert who has all of the things in line that they would make for a perfect um, elder or overseer at some point, that they will not attain to that. Um, but we should not uh, be quick to throw them into to roles like that. Um, that's a wisdom that God gives to us here. Um, verse 7, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. So the last little piece here is this thing, this respectability, this character that they have is not just something that is seen within the church, 
right? But it's something that when you look at this individual and the way that they live outside, even amongst people who are not believers, that those people, now there there are going to be people that are, haters are going to hate, right? Like there are going to be people that will see a person living a good life and then will like blast them for living righteously. Okay, so what I'm not saying is that we consider those opinions, right? But you all know what I mean is that someone could be a great person within the church, and then every time that you hear about their business dealings at work, they seem to be trying to do people wrong. This is that, this is that thing, right? Does the life that they live in the context of the church align with the life that they live outside of the church? That's what this is, that's what this is about here, right? So like the, the alignment of those two spheres... Um, that that person might find themselves in, one sphere being church here, the other being the life that they live outside the walls of the church, that those things, those things need to align. That's the idea uh, when we see this. We're going to come back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 uh, after we complete kind of this uh, examination of the role of an elder because from verse 8 uh, on down into verse 13, or so we see deacons, um, this, this other role that we're going to be exploring, we see deacons spoken of here. Um, but I want us to, while we're, while we're looking at this and considering this idea uh, that, kinds of, that kind of comes out of managing your family well and managing, like um, being a, that being able to be like a useful thing that, that carries over into the dealings with and the caring for um, a church family, um, I want us to, to kind of stay on that, on that same line of thinking. So if you will, turn with me to 1 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, here we're still looking at um, this overseer, this elder, this shepherd of the flock. And we're going to see kind of some, some of the things that we've already looked at are going to be Re-mentioned here, a couple of those. I want us to pay attention to the way that this person lives their life among their, amongst their, their family um, and how that affects that individual's family. I also want us to pay attention um, to uh, the, the role, the difference, the difference between the role of deacon and elder that gets highlighted each time that we look at um, these two. And that, that difference being not one of character, but one of, I'm going to call it burden. Um, a burden which is this individual is responsible in teaching and in rebuking that is not a burden that's a requirement for one that's called into a, the role of a deacon. Okay. Um, now, when I say burden, I don't want you to see that as a negative thing. It's a weight. It's a responsibility. It's something that that person will stand before God one day and give account of. So when I say burden, that's what I mean. It's something that they are responsible for that is not in the, the list of responsibilities for a deacon. And this is, again, why I think that it's very important. And when we get once we get these two roles kind of identified um, and we start digging in, later into like like formally looking at different ways that you see churches governed, um, then I, I want to, to highlight this point for us um, 
because I, I, I think that we can shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes in the way that we uh, usually see these things playing out. Um, so, First uh, Peter chapter 5, let's look at verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I want us to go back up. Uh, for the sake of time, we're going to, to just start in verse 2 there. There's a lot that could be mined out in verse 1, um, but we could go on. it. Y'all know, I could go on for, we'd be in this thing for another six years. Um, so for the sake of that, I'm just going to, to <laughs> jump to verse 2 so that I don't spend the rest of the class in verse 1. Um, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, okay? So this individual is to care for the church. In what way, right? In what way? I'm going to say that the primary way that they're going to do this is in, the, is in using the Word of God as, as it is intended to be, to be used to convict and encourage the hearts of the members of the church so that the members of the church can live lives that glorify God outside of the church. So the shepherd's chief job in caring for the church is to steer the church, to steer them in the Word, to guide them in the Scriptures. But here's here's something that that we're going to see comes out here is this exercising oversight what is oversight what what does he mean when he says to exercise oversight we're going to we're going to get into this we're going to get into the idea of reproof or rebuke um here in a little bit and this is where i say like this is something that is uh particularly charged to those who are called elders those who are out to teach um those who rightly divide God's word, is that there's this idea of oversight, which is they are overlooking the way that things are working and operating. They're looking at the lives of the believers within their church. They're praying that God would give them direction that that God's people should be going, and then they lead them in that way. Okay? So like let's imagine I'm gonna let's do a practical example here. Okay? Let's let's say that Dustin, being the elder here at Mount Carmel, that God lays upon Dustin's heart a particular ministry for the church. Now this particular ministry cannot be a ministry that is Dustin and Dustin alone, right? 
Because if we load up on Dustin and Dustin alone, everything that needs to be done, Dustin will not last long. Okay? So the idea here is that God will lead his heart in a way that will lead the church. So if he comes to the church and he says, Church, I feel, I feel that God is leading us here. We're going to pray about this. We're going to search God's Word for this. But I feel in the studying that I'm doing that He's leading us in this direction. I want to prove to you that He's leading us in this direction by way of examining God's Word. And then He lays this out here for you. And then we have zero participation in it. Let's imagine that that happens. Should then Dustin be tasked with, well, if it's my heart for Mount Carmel, then I'm going to do the whole thing myself. So then Dustin asks himself in, the, in his quiet place, he's praying, Lord, is this a direction? I, have, like, I thought that it was. I've presented it to your church and I've, it gets no traction. And then in that studying, the Lord's like, this is a thing that your church will do. Is it right for Him to call you to service? And what if you disobey? What if He sees this and within the pulpit, not individually, not like trying to be like, Sandra, you're called to this thing with me. I'm assuming that God's said the same thing to you. But broadly, church, we're called to this. I believe that God enables us if He leads us in this direction. Is it okay for Him to preach to you? And call you to something greater. Is that okay? This is oversight. This is, this is God leading and steering. Right? And He uses elders in this way. Not under compulsion. So this, this, is, not, this is not Him preaching to you and you feeling like this is compulsion. This, this is for you, Dustin. <laughs> That you are not serving because you feel like you must serve or else God will punish you. How many of you want the leaders of your church to only be doing what they're doing for fear of punishment? How well do you think that will play out in time? I have a quote about that. <laughs> I'm excited about <laughs> Not under compulsion, but willing. This is, a rem- this is a reminder to you. This is a reminder to all who would think that they are called into this office, that would aspire to this office, that you are not doing this under threat of harm but you're doing it willingly as God would have you do. So again, as we see someone called into this position operating and working 
Um, and this is, again, I'm going to be making in the coming weeks, uh, I'm going to be making a case for a plurality of elders within the church because I think one of the responsibilities that comes through that group of elders is to identify within one another, brother, you're doing this for the wrong reasons, right? And being able to come to that individual and say, I know that you started off well here, but now... I see the way that you're operating in it and you have lost joy there. And to call that individual, that elder in that. There's a, there's a great disservice that gets, that gets heaped upon an untold number of elders in, in churches that are effectively single elder-led churches because they oftentimes... Um, feel a pressure to live above reproach and the pressure to, to live in such a way um, in a siloed mode of operation um, can lead you to feel like you are under compulsion. That's the reality. Have any of you... I wonder how if we ask teachers in our classrooms, how many of you would like to teach next year um, how many would be like, love to do it, and how many of them would be like, would love a break because I've been doing it for the last 40 years and no one's even stepped back into the class to ask me about it. Um, but I can't give it up because no one else will do it. Compulsion. That's compulsion right there, right? So, like, that's an idea of how you see it, right? You get into this place, well, if I don't, who will? And elders can get there too. And God's Word calls them here as a reminder of what it is and why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Do it as God would have you. And then he lists out some, some things here uh, that should never be um, seen from someone who is in this position. Not for shameful gain. Well, we don't have to worry about that here. <laughs> Because I think Dustin would, Dustin would probably go so far as to say is, I'm going to have to have a second job to support my family. I, I know you laugh about it. Um, but there's something there that we should consider as well. We won't get into that today. And so much as to say, probably not doing it for shameful gain. I feel like, I feel like it's a pretty safe, pretty safe bet there. But, but eagerly, the there are those who do, and this is why, like, this is why we have to pay attention. This is why a lo- someone who is a lover of money cannot be, right? Because God help us, God help us, if someone who can speak eloquently and can capture your attention also desires to get into your pocketbooks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Popularity. Popularity. But here's the thing. If I can get a big enough following, I can sell books. If I can get a big enough following, I can make money from that. Right? So a lot of that, even those types of directions like that, like there is ultimately something selfish that can be a trap in those things. Right? And this idea of love of money... Um, 
really does a, a good job of encapsulating what what can be seen in in different um, different ways. Um, but ultimately, they, that love of money is a, is a good way that all of us recognize. Oh yeah, I get that. I get that. I like for y'all to like me, but what if a million people like me, right? I like I like to be able to eat and pay for the food that I eat, but what if I never had to worry about? Yes. Yes. Yes, and this is this is something that happens quite often, and and it can be someone who is in a position like this should desire that there are more people reached. Okay, so I don't want to say that the desire to see this entire classroom filled up would be completely and wholly a sinful desire. Because it would not. But there is an element of danger that comes with that, that we must guard against, that we must guard one another against. What if Dustin's podcast popped off and he's like, now like they're calling him to CNN to like ask him because we need a new Billy Graham kind of guy and we heard your podcast this one time, Dustin, and, and then now Dustin get, gets this like worldwide fame and yet the people that God have called them to suffer as a result of it, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a risk, there's a, there's, a, there's a need to steward that influence well. Okay. Right. That beauty is humility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And how do you see that motive in them? Right. In the way that they live their lives. Right. Oftentimes with their families. So these, we see these things, and, and a lot of times like we can find a, things that offend us about them, when in reality, God has given us rules that are timeless. He could give you these instructions in an age where there was no way possible that you were going to be in Alabama and communicate with someone on the other side of the planet. And those same truths that he, that he gave then apply when you could potentially have a global reach. The same truth, right? These things, these are, these are wisdoms that are timeless for the ages that speak to the character of a person and how you can identify these character traits within them. Amanda, I want to say too that we don't need to take advantage of an elder who has such humility that they are definitely not out for shameful gain and we allow that elder to suffer because we're tightwads. This is what this is and I, I'm not I wasn't going to get super deep into that. I know, um, but I just had to say that because I'm not saying because I yeah. I've just thought about how that you know we see that beauty well we're not called as a body of the flock we uh, to, to allow them to suffer, yeah. the Bible's very clear that we are to take care of those that teach and yeah. preach and 
legal. Yes. I, so. let's, let's, not, let's not be confused with um, that we should care for <laughs> that we should care for um, the leaders of the church. Yes. Um, and specifically like in a in a like lead pastor position, yes. um, we should consider and I'm listen, I don't want this to turn into like I think Dustin needs more money. No. Right? This is not what this this is not what this is. Um, but scripture is clear that um, a person that dedicates their life to such a thing is like it's worth supporting them Love in, them. right? That does not necessarily mean that like that someone goes in to be a pastor and they're right. a millionaire. Right. Um, I don't know that any pastor other than like someone seeking like the superstar pastor path. Um, goes into it thinking that they're going to become wealthy. But there's a difference in like the like the extreme of like dangerous wealth and the um, just the ability to be able to to like choose this service and it support yes. your family. And um, I'm sure I feel I mean I'll, I'll, I'm not saying that as a staff member that we need to do better or anything. I yeah. think the church is beautifully loving each other and yeah. loving well here at yeah. this church. But we should. But, there should be times where we consider. Say, there should be times yeah. where we consider. Like when we um, look at that particular thing, we can't just say, "Oh, but we're we're called to make them uh, sanctified in that area." Yeah. <laughs> you know, just by yeah. not. You know, some churches yeah. I have it's not our job to humble them about their right. finances. That's God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge. Again, this domineering, like this is a leading by example. And he literally says that. But being examples to the flock. So someone who is in this position... Should have a life, should be, this is again not like that they live perfectly, right? But they should live a life that others aspire towards spiritually, right? Like they should, we should see the fruit of the Spirit in them, in the way that they treat their family, in the way that they treat others, in the way that they lead, in such a way that we would desire to live like that, right? Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is a leading out front type of leader, right? Like this is the one that is like at the front of the line in battle, not back at the back in his chariot with tens of thousands of soldiers laying their life down for him, right? This is a leader that is an out front type of leader. Um, and when, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So this again, speaking to those who are kind of, that God has led their hearts to be, um, to desire to, to live and lead um, his churches in this way. This is a rem- this is a reminder, ultimately, of the reward that awaits. So there will be a day where the man who was out front for his people 
comes back for His people. Right? Or the man who laid his life down for his people because his people could not returns for them. Right? There ultimately is a chief shepherd leading the flock. And that is not Dustin. That is not any other man that would stand in the pulpit. That shepherd is Jesus Christ. And He will return. And when He does, He promises to those who have been called to this, I don't know what this looks like. I could only imagine, um, given the circumstances that many elders and leaders find themselves in, tirelessly toiling for the spiritual well-being of their flocks year after year, no one seeing it, no one seeing the exhaustion, no one seeing the stretched thin in a thousand directions. I can only imagine that when the chief shepherd comes, that he will reward them in a particular way that is glorious. Don't know what it looks like. Don't know what it looks like. Other than to say that I know that the shepherd that returns is one that... that um, is not lacking in his ability to give. Um, verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Um, this, is a, this is a call to submission, um, a particular type of submission that is not, again, this is not a cowardice, this is not a, like, a submission that we ought to consider being a weak type of submission, but is ultimately one that is founded in the trust of the God who's called us all and is ordering this. Like, we trust Him. And for those who are young, and I have found myself here at times in the past, would you, would you believe this? Would you believe that um, I've been here since what? 2001, 2000, 2001 time frame. Would you believe that every word that's ever been spoken from the pulpit here at Mount Carmel and all the great men who have preached here that I didn't necessarily agree with every single word that they said or every single decision that they made, would you believe that? There are times when we are young that it is better for us to listen and watch. Learn. There are times that the young should probably step up and say something to the older as well. In wisdom, in kindness. Loving them. But the reality is the nature of how we learn and grow, the younger we are, probably the more we have to learn. And there's a wisdom in being called to be subject to those individuals. If you find yourself um, in one of these places where an individual who is in those positions finds themselves completely disqualified in the way that they act, in the way that they lead, um, this is not saying to those younger that they should not say something. Um, 
but there's a general wisdom that you might not always be right in this. And that especially when we're young, there's this like drive within us to like overtake the previous generation. You know what I mean when I say that, right? So for those who are young, um, trust. Trust the chief shepherd is what I would say. And that in due time, you will either learn that you were wrong in those places that you might would have rebelled and pushed back against, or you might find that he teaches you in a particular way so that you don't go down those same roads. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards toward one another. Again, like this, like for for both sides, for for all involved here, there is a great need for us to be humble in the approach that we have here. And then ultimately, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, so humility again should be something that is that is seen throughout um, the one that would find themselves um, leading in this way. We're going to close there today. Next week, we're going to look back over in Titus. If you want to get ahead of the game, we'll be in Titus chapter 1, looking at verses 6, uh, six 7, 8, and 9. Um, so let's, let's close there.